0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Los Angeles Clippers Hoop Ball Clippers Podcast. I am Brandon Marcus, your humble host. And today we've got a good one for you. Andrew Greif of the LA Times will join the show. We'll chat about the road trip that saw the Clippers go 4-2. and two. We'll look specifically at the game against the Brooklyn Nets, encouraged or discouraged by the loss. And we'll also chat about what the Clippers have done with Zoo that has seen him start to play a bunch of fourth quarters. And also, Reggie Jackson's emergence and what that means for Patrick Beverly. We have a lot to chat with Andrew about. We'll get there very shortly. But before we do a little bit of housekeeping, you've heard me talk about the bruise letter before. But folks, it has been released. If you did not get it in your email box this week, it's because you have not signed up. I don't know what you are waiting for. Aaron Bruski, our founder, writes this newsletter where he breaks down every single team in the NBA, it is a word extravaganza what he does. How do you sign up? Bit.ly slash Bruise Letter 2021. That's Bit.ly slash Bruise Letter 2021. Sign up in 10 seconds. It is free. It's straight to your inbox. You're not going to get anywhere else. Not going to be in any article. Not going to be on social media. Not on the website. Not in any podcast. Bit.ly slash Bruise Letter 2021 enjoy. And of course, if you're playing fantasy basketball, you need to get the fantasy pass. It is still the best deal in the industry, just $4.99 per month. That is a cup of coffee. And now that we're in the regular season, there is zero commitment. You can sign up for one month. If you don't like it, you can cancel. But I know you will love it. Why do I know you'll love it? Well, incredible features. First of all, my favorite, the HoopBall Discord server, where you can hang out with all the HoopBall pros and anybody else that has signed up for any of our different deals. They are in there as well, so you can talk to fellow fantasy basketball players and hoop ball pros, talk about your team, rate your team, add drops, trade advice. It's all there. It's just like Slack. The best feature, in my opinion, of the Fantasy Pass. Of course, you also have the streaming charts, pickups, drops, anything you need to dominate your league all year. It's there. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com. Click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall. All right, before we get to Andrew, I want to talk quickly about what we saw in the last couple of games with the Los Angeles Clippers, because I had a podcast where I chatted about the first four games for the Clippers on the road trip, and it's been really impressive what I've seen from this team. I am incredibly encouraged, we'll get Andrew's take on that, by the loss to Brooklyn, I thought the Clippers played really well without Pat Beverly, and I think a guy like Pat is huge to what the Clippers need to do against a two-guard monster in Kyrie and Harden. So the Clippers will need Pat Beverly. With him, I think they win that game. And also, you got to look at what Brooklyn did. Everyone talks about their defense. It's a bad defense. But they shot 57% in that game, guys. 57%. That is really damn good now they turn over the basketball a lot with 16 turnovers but they're going to do that but when you make as many shots as Brooklyn did and they had 20 less shot attempts than the Clippers because of those turnovers you're going to win games when you shoot that well and Brooklyn just couldn't miss when Katie's 11 of 13 Kyrie is 15 of 23 after starting one of six I mean, you're just not going to win those types of games. And the Clippers were right there, and frankly, they they blew it. And they had a couple of leads late. In the first half, they had a lead that they couldn't hold on to. And then in the fourth quarter, they a lead they couldn't hold on to. So I'm really encouraged. And then the Clippers, to bounce back the following game against Cleveland, the following night after putting forth all that energy, and to win that game by 22, the team last year, I don't think, wins this game against Cleveland. It really seems like a letdown spot, but the Clippers don't have that letdown spot. They have not lost back-to-back games still all year. It's incredible. They refuse to lose two in a row, and it says a lot about this team and how focused they are and how determined they are to win and how important the regular season is, and so I'm incredibly encouraged by what I have seen from this team. Now, I'm really curious to see how they do against Boston and Sacramento, Boston tonight, and then Sacramento will be on Sunday. And by the way, we're going to look to have Justin Wilson of LA Clippers film on the podcast after that game against Sacramento. Um, Hope you're getting this in your ears before Boston, but even if you don't, uh, it doesn't really matter because we'll chat about Boston um, with Justin. But I think it's important to hear about the road trip where the Clippers went forward to and also hear about the many things that Clippers fans are talking about right now. And that's Zoo and that's Reggie Jackson and it's PG and Kawhi and the three-point shooting. And we get into all that with Andrew Greif. So without further ado, why don't we have that conversation with Andrew? Love having this guy on the Ball Clippers podcast. Andrew Greif back on from the LA Times. Andrew, what's going on? Hey, man. Nothing much here.
1: Um, yeah, it feels like it's good to be back for a, a little bit of a homestand.
0: Four and two on that road trip. I would say a successful road trip, given all the uncertainty around PG and Kawhi to start. I want to go back to the Brooklyn game first. Encouraged or discouraged by the loss to the Nets? Um, I would say more or less encouraged because it
1: really took um, a brilliant—I mean, like the best game that Durant, Harden, and Irving have had together this year—to uh, to beat them. I mean, there's reasons to be discouraged. I mean, like just that that blink of an eye, 13-0 run that turned a five-point Clippers lead, uh, kind of midway through the fourth into a deficit that obviously they couldn't uh, they couldn't make up um, was discouraging because you'd think the defense has been you know in the last 11 games to that point had been I believe fifth in the NBA defensive rating so like you'd seen a lot of progress you'd seen reasons for like okay they they should be able to hold um, a serve here a little bit um, but I think overall that win wasn't like um i didn't look at it as some sort of referendum on the clippers you know like i i thought the, the brooklyn played an incredible game and those three players you can see why when they're hot despite all the defensive deficiencies like they're going to be really tough to beat if they can play like that.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Everyone keeps talking about their defense, and the defense doesn't matter if they just keep outscoring everybody on the offensive end. It seems like every single time down the floor, they were getting good shots just because they're great shot makers. I mean, Kyrie Irving's incredible. James Harden's incredible. And Ky- and Kevin Durant can shoot over anyone. So it's a tough matchup, but you, you focus on Harden and Kyrie, and the Clippers usually have a guy in Pat Beverly that can help slow down a point guard like Harden, like Kyrie, how important do you think Bev will be when he comes back if the Clippers do end up facing Brooklyn down the line? Because it really does seem like he was a huge miss in that game.
1: He was. I mean, that was a thing that Nicholas Batum singled out for kind of what that that what that game and told him about the defense. And he was like, we really miss Pat Bev. Um, and it's, it's clear, you know, like Reggie Jackson has been – above and beyond um, the offensive replacement I thought he could be. Um, it, it more, not because I didn't think he could score, but because I just I wasn't sure about his decision-making. You know, like last year, that was the big drawback in the playoffs, was like he would just make a decision every now and then you say, well, you know, why, why did he force that shot there? Uh, why did he try to, to jam that pass in there? Why did he do that, Do this or that? And he really has not done that, you know, ever since Pat Beverly really got hurt and his minutes jumped up he's had an absurdly low number of turnovers, uh, against the minutes he's played. And so I, I think that he's played really well, but defensively there's really no comparison. Obviously Pat Beverly's an all defense player. Um, and he's, you know, obviously he's, he's getting older you know, he's lost, I'm sure a step from his, from his Houston days. Um, but he's still really good at getting guys, um, away from the perimeter and make sure that they don't get their sweet spots. You know, he's very, he's incredibly smart. He knows the game plan inside and out. So. He knows your tendencies, and he's not going to let you get to those. So that's a big miss
0: for for this defense. Yeah, you bring up Reggie Jackson, and last year everyone had a problem when he was being brought in to guard Luka, and he was being put in pick and rolls and was switching on to the wrong defender or wrong uh, person on Dallas. It was just not great, and you look at what he's done this year, and it's been incredible. We'll talk about him in just a second. So with Brooklyn, obviously a team that everyone thinks is – going to compete with most likely Philadelphia to come out of the Eastern conference. The Clippers have held their own so far in a game like that. You need your stars to come out and for Kawhi Leonard to, to do what he did in that game and shoot 50% with 33 points. And for PG to shoot damn near 50% with 26 points, Nick Batum, 21 points, Marcus Morris had 16 in that game. I, I really am hesitant to say This and it's something I've been talking about throughout on this podcast. But it really does seem like this Clippers team, without any injuries, should make it to the Western Conference Finals. Because if a team like the Clippers can put together this performance without their top defender in Pat Bev, you can always make a case, of course, for Kawhi and PG against the Nets team that was frankly on fire and up shooting 57% in that game. It says a lot where this team is now. Would you agree with that? Yeah,
1: I would agree with that. I think that they're they, um, they farther along than they were at this point a year ago. You know, like, I think that PG and Kawhi have already played together. Uh, gosh, well, I had, to, I had, before they left for the road trip, let's put it this way, they'd played, I think, like 15 games together. And um, at that point, you know, it took them until I think like, maybe 40% of the way through last season to play that many games together. Uh, they were, they were much farther along. Uh, so you're seeing that pay dividends, not only about how they're playing and just like their rhythm playing, um, complementing one another, playing the two man game, but also how the teammates are kind of finding each other better, like, no, just knowing how to operate around them because they are obviously the fulcrum around which this offense, you know, balances. So, um, I think it's been really important. And so I, I guess I just did not take um, the Brooklyn game as like any kind of, you know, big sign that there is, um, that they don't have enough, you know, because we don't really, this is still a team that, as Ty Lou said, when they came off the road trip, they still have like six or seven different areas that they can improve on offensively. And obviously without Pat Beverly, um, who is an injury risk. There, there's no guarantee he'd be there for the playoffs, um, but you'd expect him to come back. Um, and so I think the defense should be better, at least from what they showed that night.
0: And shades of a playoff rotation in that game with really only playing eight guys. Luke played four minutes off the bench. And so it's interesting to see a guy like Ty Lu value a regular season game where I've talked in this pod where it really didn't seem like that was the case with Doc Rivers. And it really does seem like that's the case with Ty Lue, where he's valuing these regular season games and the importance, knowing how critical it will be in the postseason to have a type of game like this underneath your belt, would you agree with that too? It could have, yeah.
1: That definitely was my first impression. Was like oh a little playoff, little playoff preview, perhaps. Um, but then, you know, I kind of was thinking about it like, is it? You know, because Lou Williams obviously uh, has been someone who has not had great postseasons uh, defensively. Had a pretty good season, I, I would actually argue this year. But you know, historically, that's not his his strong suit. Is he someone they would actually turn to in the playoffs? Um, for that pace that they wanted against the Nets? Or would they go to someone like Kennard, who, um, you know, I think off the bounce, maybe is a little bit better of a playmaker, um, better three-point shooter. I, it Was that game a little bit more of like, almost like a, a stick? You know, they've, they've given Luke Kennard the carrot, you know, shoot it. shoot it. We want you to shoot it. They gave him all the confidence in the world. And he hadn't done that aggressively enough against New York two days before. And so uh, they, they play him only 11 minutes that game. And against Brooklyn, he plays only four minutes. Um, and so I almost wondered if it was kind of like, okay, message sent. Like, we really need you to do what we want. So I, I don't know if – I think that come playoff time, I could see an eight-man rotation. Would it be the exact same one as they played Brooklyn? I'm not so sure about that. But I do think that um, you are seeing, Ty, mix and match and experiment. Whereas last year, there was a lot of kind of sameness,
0: I would say, to a lot of the regular season. You mentioned the rotation and we talked about Reggie Jackson a little bit earlier. And it seems like Ty Lou has talked to his coaches about trying to find a role for Reggie Jackson when Pat Bev comes back. And it's interesting because they had that 10 game sample size with Luke and Reggie and Lou. And they decide, you know what? doesn't make sense. Reggie Jackson's going to go to the bench. And then all of a sudden he now is forced to start with Bev being gone. What do you see Reggie Jackson's role being when Pat Beverly comes back? Because, I tend to think Pat Beverly comes back and is immediately inserted into the starting lineup. Do you think Reggie Jackson perhaps stays as the starter for now and they ease Pat back by coming off the bench, a la Marcus Morris, or do you see it more where Reggie Jackson is kind of in a role where perhaps Lou Williams is off the bench right now?
1: Yeah, I think that Pat is a guy who goes back in the starting lineup. I just think he thrives more that way. Um, uh, You know, I, 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 I don't know what it is, but he's just always taken a lot of pride in being a starter. And so I just think that he his energy is maybe best suited for the start of a game. You know, I, that start of games, at least early on the season, was not something that the Clippers were incredibly proficient at. They were digging themselves holes. Um, and so I think you need that energy. I think you want to start off the game on the right foot, like from a communication standpoint. And Kawhi Leonard said, what was it after the Cleveland game on Wednesday that like without Pat Bev, they're just a, they're just a quieter group. So I really think that it pays um, a lot of dividends to have him in there early, kind of get that energy flowing and have people feed off that. I see Reggie as a little bit more malleable in terms of like where he can fit in. I think you can, he can kind of shape shift. He can go in with, I think the starters and obviously play well as he has right now. But I think if you bring him off the bench um, and kind of just maybe a, a slightly more narrow role, like not as many minutes, but just kind of let him cook in his role. I think he can do that too. Um, he's a veteran. Uh, you know, clearly he, after the first ten games, kind of understood that he would only get in whenever Ty Lue said he would. So I think he would take whatever opportunity he had and kind of run with it. Um, how you? Now the problem though is, as we saw for those, if you're gonna bring him off the bench, then you're talking about those Lou. Luke and um, Reggie minutes, you know, how do you break those up? Cause those are the exact same thing that Ty went away from after 10 games. He wanted to break up that rotation specifically. So I don't know. Uh, Does that mean that Reggie cannibalizes some of Luke's minutes or Reggie's minutes? Um, I would think that would probably be more the case than all three guys playing together because we've just seen how that works and it, it didn't work.
0: Yeah, it doesn't work out. And, and the one thing that you can, kind of be assured of, and I say that with a bit of hesitancy, is that Luke Kennard will remain in the rotation. It's not like he will be dropped and Reggie will come in because of that contract. I mean, four years, $64 which looks really bad right now, and I've talked about it before on this pod, where I don't know who they were bidding against, and I understand wanting to get him locked up long term because of the deal for Landry Shamit and your potential that you see in him, and and frankly, he's been really good. I mean, he's shot I think over 40% from three And so he's been solid. It's just one of those things where you wonder where he fits in. And with Reggie Jackson playing the way he is, you can't bench him. And I I agree with you that Pat gives you that energy that you want in the starting lineup. So I'll be fascinated to see where it shakes out. And another member of the rotation that has been a talking point in Clippers Nation is Zoo. And you talked about it after the game against Cleveland that Zoo has all of a sudden become a fixture in the fourth quarter. And you mentioned these stats, which last year, 30 fourth quarter appearances for zoo. And he averaged just under four minutes at 3.7 this year, 19 fourth quarter appearances. And he's averaging just under six minutes at 5.9. So that's over two minute difference in the fourth quarter this year. And he already has 19 appearances compared to last year where he had 30. And in that Cavs game, Played the final 19 minutes, grabbed 13 of 16 rebounds in that stretch. I was worried about Zoo for a little bit, Andrew, but it really seems like he is back to the zoo that we knew and that we loved last year.
1: He, early on, the switch to the bench is, I think, a confidence thing. You know, he'd been, let's put it this way, you know, after he has traded to the Clippers, he's playing for the first time, like consistently a ton of minutes um, after that Lakers trade. It's a lot of confidence. Then he goes to the bench and basically is deemed unplayable against the Warriors because they're small ball in that first round series. And you know, even though he gets the the contract as a as a free agent that summer from Clippers, there's still this nagging sense for him that he didn't do enough. That he's you know he's not uh, as useful as he could be. He didn't put his best work forward, um and that really aided him. Like it really aided him. I remember talking to him in training camp in 2019, and he was just like that was the thing that bugged me all summer. Like it was nice to have the the reinforcement of the confidence from the contract, but uh, until you sort of like live up to it, you're left kind of hoping that you can do what they expect you to do as it, from the team perspective. And he did that last year. He, you know, I remember Rick Carlisle really going out of his way to compliment Zo before one of the games and just saying how much of a different player he was and how good of a job the Clippers had done with him. Um, so he, then you, he's riding that high And he comes into this season and here's Serge Ibaka and now you're coming off the bench. So you can see why I think early on there is some kind of like, you know, searching for what exactly, how exactly he's going to play with that bench unit when he was working so well with PG and Kawhi and Pat. Um, So I I guess I'm not, I wasn't totally surprised at the first, I don't know, three weeks of the year, you can kind of see him just figuring it out. You know, there's also a lot more defensive responsibility playing with that second unit because you do have perimeter defense that's a lot leakier than you are when you have Kawhi and PG on the ball so I think it's a lot more asked of him that second unit that out of the offense like where is he going to get his looks um, developing that pick and roll relationship trying to replicate what you have with Kawhi you can see why there are a lot of things happen a lot of dynamics happening to, that would make his first few weeks kind of like um, a feeling out process so what has happened recently is that, yeah, he's been getting the minutes in the fourth quarter. He never did last year, at least consistently. And I, I think that whether this remains or not, I think that's a big boost for someone um, early on to kind of basically get that, that nod from your coach that we believe in you, that, you're, you know, that we think you're the guy to carry us home in some of these games. So uh, I think that Zo is kind of back to where we thought he might have been. Um, his hands, which were kind of like bobbling passes and having some trouble catching, catching balls, pocket passes early on, I don't, I don't sense much concern about that anymore. Um, he seems like he's catching everything that comes his way. He had 13 rebounds in his, last, uh, in his last 19 minutes of the game against Cleveland. So I think that he's definitely rebounded to a point that probably could have been expected coming off that really breakout postseason.
0: All right, let's take a quick break from our conversation with Andrew talk about our friends over at MyBookie. The Super Bowl is just a couple of days away, and that is the place that you want to place your Super Bowl bets on. Whether it's props, whether it's the actual game, MyBookie has it all. Whether you want to bet on the NBA, the NFL, the Premier League, MyBookie has you covered. Their rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. The only place that I trust to handle my bets, and I want you to go there as well. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code HOOPBALL, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. You know me, I don't give out my stamp of approval easily, and I am giving it out for my bookie. It's the best sports book out there, period. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. And if you need a little bit of help, Hit up the guys at Hoopball Gaming. Devin heads up that, apartment, that department. He does a really good job. They give out incredible, incredible advice. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, they do a really good job. They put their reputation on the line, and they back it up with some really good picks. So that's the Hoopball Gaming account. And also you can check out, there are ways to get involved with gambling on Hoopball as well. Please gamble responsibly, mybookie.ag.com. Simple, enter the promo code HOOPBALL, get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. bucks. right, back to Andrew. And what a confidence boost it is for him to play 19 straight minutes when he was on the bench last year watching Trez do that. That's got to be a really big boost to him knowing that Ty Lue trusts him because last year you had a guy in Trez who was soaking up those minutes and Zoo just kind of had to take it while he sat on the bench. The one thing that I think is really important this year is that Sergi Baca's is a veteran and if he sees a guy like Zoo playing the way that he's been playing I think he's okay sitting and watching Zoo perform and do his thing and that's one huge part of this year's team that I think is different from last year's team is the veteran presence and just the chemistry in general I think is better than it was last year and more willingness for guys to be like okay I'll, I'll take a seat while someone else performs. You start with Marcus Morris saying, I'll come off the bench because Nick Batum has been tremendous as a starter. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see someone like Luke or like Pat be like, yo, play Reggie Jackson more minutes right now while he's playing well. That's what is very different from last year's team, Andrew.
1: Well, I think that that dynamic probably comes from people feeling a little more secure in their, in their spot. You know, like Serge Ibaka is someone who... um is, is such a veteran in this league. And I think he knows that if he doesn't want to pick up his option after this year and he wants to go back into free agency, like, you know, depending on how he plays, and I think he'll play pretty well, like, he knows he he has a certain consistent level of play and he'll, he'll still be wanted after this year. You know, like, I I don't know how much he should really be fretting about, oh, I'm not, I'm not playing this fourth quarter minutes. Like, he's going to be someone who's desired. Um, you know, Marcus Morris has that contract now, Kennard has that contract now. Um, Kawhi, you know, P- PG is obviously locked in for a long time. Kawhi, no, no, no matter what happens to him, he's going to be just fine as a free agent this summer. So, um, I think you're just seeing people who more or less don't, um, aren't necessarily like worrying about kind of the next summer, um, or just gonna have that on their minds, like a low grade anxiety of like, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. I can leave my minutes. Um, so I guess I just see that the, the roster moves this year skewed toward, um, an older team. And a little bit people who may have um, a little bit more just security in where they are and where they fit in in the league, um, so I think that bodes to a team that's willing
0: to make
1: that extra like five percent sacrifice you know like just to pick, pick that small thing that you kind of need to really pull forward in this league
0: and that's so important because it's the Team over me, type of thing. You know, it it really does show the no I in team, and it's really impressive. And you got to love that. And the one thing that I felt like we saw last year is there was a lot of individual performances and guys who were trying to get theirs, whether it was Trez or somebody else. It just feels like this is more of a team. And speaking of team, it, it takes a team performance to shoot the way the Clippers have from three point range. And It's unbelievable, and the three-point shooting everyone talks about, is it sustainable? And my question for you is, does it seem like Ty Lue is happy with the three-point shooting right now? Because you brought up this stat that the Clippers are 12-0 when making at least 16 threes, and I mean, that makes sense, because that's nearly 50 points right there off the bat, so you you score a lot, you're going to most likely win games, but the three-point shooting, I mean, they're getting good looks. Do you think it's sustainable? I, I do. Um, I just think that the way that
1: they have been able to get those open shots, um, you know, even without that "quote unquote," you know, pure point guard, um, because of Kwai and PGs, you know, taking on the challenge from Tai to be better playmakers, more active playmakers, more often. Um, that's something that is, I think, sustainable. You know, I think that you are always going to have those two players draw a lot of attention, and so. Um, I don't think that people are going to be sagging off quiet and PG and, and because they can get to their spots, because they can get into the lane, if they're going to have the ball in their hands the most, um, uh, then yeah, I think that you're going to see those guys be able to kick out teammates pretty often. Um, I, so just the way I've seen it so far, you know, there's always the adage that defenses that the game slows down becomes more of a half court game in the postseason. um, maybe not as freewheeling. I get that, but I just from what I've seen so far, it's not like it's just PG and Kawhi. You know, they're going to, again, I think they're going to get to their spots and be able to find open shooters because of the gravity they have offensively. But you're seeing the same thing happen when Pat Beth has the ball and Reggie Jackson has the ball. Um, you know, even Kennard, and certainly Nick Batum is a great passer. So uh, I'm not too worried about the shot quality they're going to get. If they knock him down, we don't know. You know, they've had really good shot qualities. Um, quality of shots uh, I would say in the last week and for a stretch there they shot 30 percent f- from three and four straight games so that part can't be controlled but I do think like that, that the kinds of shots they were taking were still pretty high quality so um, I guess that part to me feels more sustainable than the shot making in and of itself
0: yeah my, my worry is that you get to the postseason and like you said it really does seem like it slows down a lot and you're so like uh, you're you need to pass the ball like the ball movement is so critical and you're so reliant on the ball movement which has got you there and it really does seem like when it gets tight teams do have a tendency to kind of go one on one and just ditch what got them to this point so my only worry is that the clippers kind of rely too much on the three point um the three pointer and it hurts the rest of their system in critical moments and that that's obviously a concern that we have no idea if it's being validated or not. But th- the team is really built to shoot threes. I mean you look at their roster and every single person basically apart from zoo can shoot threes and that tells you a lot about a team when you can plug and play certain guys and your your system will continue to flow that's been the one beneficiary of a guy like pg Kawhi missing out you have someone else that can come in and you run the same type of offense where i don't think that was the case last year now you look at the clippers and i'm not sure that anybody thought they would be where they are right now where they're 17 and 6 they're a half a game back of utah for first place in the western conference they're tied with the clippers and they've separated themselves pretty much from the rest of the pack. I mean, Denver's four and a half games back of first place. Where did you think the Clippers would be at this point? And are you pleasantly surprised? Or do you think that this is where they should be?
1: I think that I'm, um, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised in sort of their, um, in the way they have, improve from that first stretch when you know things were going pretty well but there were like these you know big leads that were being given up um quite often you know lakers denver golden state obviously the uh, the dallas game was a debacle 51 point uh halftime deficit so th- things were like despite their record i think it belied like a lot of uh kinks being worked out within that first week to 10 days um and i've really kind of been Struck at how they've seemed to kind of chip away at some of the problems. You know, like the big leads aren't going away as, as often as possible, as often as they were. The turnovers have really been cut down. Uh, the careless turnovers, yeah, those are still happening. I think there's actually a really big problem um, against uh, Cleveland. But in general, like their turnover rate in the last, um, and during the road trip was, I like second lowest in the NBA, and that was even without and PG there. Um, you talk about the rebound rate has been pretty high. The assist turnover rate's been pretty high. Um, the defense is getting better. Um, so I've been – it seems like they could have kind of stayed in that, in that boom or bust stage from early on where it was like they're either up by 20 or down by 20. Um, but I, they seem to have really been um, evening out. And, I, and so that's where I am a little bit more impressed. And I also I think like how much more openly like Kawhi is talking about being more vocal – um you know i guess you know marcus morris the, the idea that he would come off the bench like again we go back to that idea of players feeling a little more secure like that seems to be a bigger theme this year um so uh, i think that it's been a, it's definitely exceeded my expectations because you just weren't sure what that kind of second round loss would do a team coming in this year you know like would there be kind of like lingering distrust or you know what how the new pieces fit and i feel like There's been um, a lot of progress on all those ends.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy with where they're at right now. And it really seems like this team is just enjoying playing basketball more than last year. And they really are focused on one goal. And that is to get to the Western Conference, at least for the first time in Clippers history. And, of course, to try and win it all. Well, uh, you have to run to practice. So I, too, not really going to practice. It's a virtual, uh, of course, shoot around. But uh, I appreciate you jumping on a couple of games coming for the Clippers versus Boston tonight and then against Sacramento before they go back on the road. So if you do go to Staples Center, enjoy. And a big thank you to come back on the Hoopball Clippers podcast.
1: Of course, of course. Can I just ask you one last question? Yeah. Flip the tables real quick. I got to ask this because you're a Clippers fan and I feel like everyone's always like harboring like the next heartbreak as a Clippers fan. How do you feel about being 17-6 and six and having a pretty promising start? Like, Are you just bracing yourself for – like? Was something like something bad to come or are you like able to kind sort of enjoy this
0: it's hard it's it's both it really is both I'm really happy with the way this team's playing right now and it gives me a lot of confidence I think there's a lot of signs that this team is not even close to the team from last year and in a good way and last year they had three double digit leads against Denver and blew them all I don't think this team blows those leads. And I think this team gets in that same exact position next uh, this year. And so they get to the Western Conference Finals. My worry is against the Lakers and what happens. But I'm really happy with what Ty has brought to this team. It seems like there's a system in place. It seems like everybody's bought in. Like you said, there's no contract really to worry about. And so I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: probably about right. You know, there's a lot... There's a lot of like history to guard against. Right. So I totally understand that
0: feeling. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for jumping on and I'm sure we'll have you back. Thank you so much. Big. Thank you. Once again, to Andrew for jumping on one of my favorite guests to have on this podcast. You can always read him at the LA times. You can follow him on Twitter, Andrew Greif. He's a really good follow. He just does the hard work. He works really hard. He gets good stories because he talks to a lot of sources and he gets rewarded by the product that you see whenever you read him in the LA Times. So a big thank you to Andrew for jumping on a very short time frame that we had to work with there, but we were still able to knock out over 25 minutes. So hope you enjoyed that. Um, The Clippers now are back home, and they'll take on Boston tonight. Hopefully we're able to get this podcast out before tip. Um, Either way, I think it's a good listen because you get a chance to Hear what happened during that road trip and just some X's and O's for the Clippers. After Boston on Friday, Sacramento on Sunday, we're aiming to be back after that game ends with a Justin Wilson episode. So hopefully Justin's able to join us on Sunday afternoon. We can knock out a podcast, chat about the Sacramento game, and also look back to that Boston contest tonight as well. And then the Clippers are back on the road for two against, Bo- against Minnesota and Chicago, and then back home. Again, for four, so uh, or actually for six. So an interesting schedule awaits the Los Angeles Clippers, and this is a game tonight in Boston that I really would like to see the Clippers pull out a win. This is a good Boston team, but without Marcus Smart, I don't think they're the same team. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are tremendous, but I think PG and Kawhi are better, and they match up at similar positions. So I would like to see the Clippers beat Boston at home. Uh, we'll see if they're able to do so. It is worth telling you that we have a very great sponsor that I want to discuss. Listen up, fellas. Today and ladies, we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror. Guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. I know it's embarrassing whether you're talking to someone, you got the nose hair sticking out or you're looking in the mirror and you see the ear hair sticking out, it's just not attractive. And I know, you know, eventually we're going to be taking off those masks, and uh, but don't do so now. And we are going to be very conscious of our appearance. And even at home, whether you're with your significant other, or someone else. You know you want to look good, and Manscaped's Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. You heard me. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience. It's waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Also, it has a rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts up for 90 minutes with incredible usage. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? I know that hurts a lot. Why not just use this incredible product? 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code HoopBall20. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. A big thank you once again to all of you for listening it is the reason why I do this show, because I love talking Clippers basketball. I've been a Clippers fan for a long time, and I enjoy all of you listening. So a big thank you to you, the listener. If you do enjoy the show, head over to the Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Review the podcast as well. Helps the podcast grow. Share. I post it on Twitter, at BD Marcus. You also can see the Hoopball Clippers Twitter account, at Hootball Clips. We tweet it out. If you can give us a retweet or a like, it's awesome. It, it does help spread the love for this show. So we'll be back at the weekend to discuss the two games that were at home for the Los Angeles Clippers. Until then, go Clips. This has been a hoop ball presentation.